The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Let us now turn our hearts to the word of the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1. We find these incredibly encouraging words that point us toward the living hope. Let us read together 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, help us now as we are scattered in living rooms and outside in so many different places where we're picking up the internet Lord, help us together now to worship you and to study your word. Use your word in the hearts and lives of your people. Birth in them a renewed sense and awareness of the living hope. And Lord, I pray for every person listening who does not yet know the living hope that today you would open their eyes to the glorious salvation that is in Christ alone. We pray in his name. Amen. So when is living hope most evident? When, when do you see it most clearly? We well, ought to see it every day, but I can tell you in my lives of my life, not lives, my life of pastoral ministry, you see it most clearly in the moments of difficulty and even in the face of death. Several years ago, I was at the bedside of my close friend, Mike. He was at the very last hours of his life. We shared from the word of the Lord. We prayed together. And as I was about to walk out of his room, just hours before his death, he reached back behind his head, folded his fingers, and smiled. That was living hope. It's the last image in my mind of my brother, at rest, at peace, trusting the Lord in the darkest hour of his earthly life. This morning... We want to talk about living hope. Living hope results from being born again to a sure salvation evidenced by inexpressible joy. That's our main idea today. I don't know about you, but I think I know. You're finding out a lot about yourself right now. We're finding out a lot about one another. We're certainly finding out a lot about the world. We are all considering what what really matters. Our relationships are both missed and at the same time stressed. Our faith, or our lack thereof, is evident. 
I want us to consider the context here of 1 Peter. It's really kind of stunning when you read it. Chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Peter, with a pastoral heart, wrote to these scattered believers all over Asia. Scattered, really, because of the difficulties they were facing because of their faith and other things that were going on in the world. Now, brothers and sisters, we aren't scattered because we're suffering for our faith. We're scattered because of this unusual point in history. A a moment that's going to be written about for years to come. We're scattered by things that are outside of our control. But we are God's people scattered. And Peter comes and he writes to these people to help them understand and how to navigate through. And he begins by pointing them to living hope, to that which is already in them as followers of Christ, the living hope that is in Jesus. So, Let's take verses three through nine and work through them this morning. And first, we want to see that living hope results from being born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This text begins with praise. Peter calls us to join him in praising God for the nature of our salvation. The worship team has led us this morning to praise God for the nature of our salvation. I want you to grasp with me what he means by salvation. Salvation from beginning to end, not simply a moment. What what Peter's going to do here is a combination of doxology, praise, and theology. What we believe about God and the nature of our salvation. R.C. Sproul said this, when theology does not begin and end with doxology, that is praise, It becomes merely an abstract intellectual exercise in which the heart is not engaged and the soul is not properly moved. That's my prayer for you today, that your heart is going to be engaged and that your soul is going to be properly moved. One one person said it this way, that, that 1 Peter is a healthy remedy for those who are weighed down by discouragement. If there's ever been a time when we all are sharing a moment of discouragement and difficulty, this is one of those moments. So may this be a healthy remedy to our hearts today. So with praise in our hearts and on our tongues, we proceed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, according to his great mercy. So that means this, there's nothing in you or in me or any, nothing about you or nothing about me that has caused God to move toward us. God has moved toward us according to his great mercy because of who he is. God has moved and he has caused us to be born again. He's speaking here particularly to the believer. He's talking about regeneration. Now, 
Not one of you caused your physical birth. You had absolutely nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. And not one of you caused your spiritual birth. You had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Regeneration does not happen because of something we do. It is a work of God. Now, I know some of you want to argue with this concept, but let's look at the verse clearly. He has caused. It is God's work. He has caused us to be born again. However, regeneration does not happen apart from our knowing that it's happened. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, or as Peter says just a few verses later in verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The word of God, the gospel of God has come to us. And when we hear the gospel of God by faith, we believe and we trust in him. And we are born again to a living hope. Aren't you grateful that in the midst of this difficult moment, spring has come? If you have not, go outside, particularly early in the morning, for those of you who can get up early, and listen to the birds. And remember this. The Lord said he'd take care of the birds. And if he's going to take care of those birds who are singing on these spring mornings, don't you think for a moment that he's not going to take care of us? Look at the flowers that are blooming and the life that is erupting all around us. Let that new life remind us that we have a living hope, a hope that is alive in us as, as a Christian. Here's what can happen. We can experience all the seasons at once. So whatever our circumstances, even if, even if it's the depths of winter and the darkest of night, Here's what we know, that there is a growing and increasing hope that matures and strengthens us inside. It is a living hope. It's not a memory of something that happened, though we do remember regeneration. The moment we came to faith, it is a living, ongoing hope. It is something that we are living and experiencing every day. We have been born again, not just to have a better quality of life in this world, not simply that we've been given a second chance, but to live a life that goes on forever, sustained by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So a past event of the resurrection of Christ from the dead secures our new birth, our new life in Christ, and it secures our resurrection body that is yet to come. We'll go back to chapter 15 next Sunday and study together. Let's remind ourselves of what we've already looked at in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I don't know about you, but 
We started planting at our house. We like to garden. We like to raise a garden. That may become a, a necessity for us here in the next few months. When we place those little tiny seeds in the ground. God does a radical transformation with that seed to produce fruit. We planted little tiny tomato seeds yesterday in our, in our little greenhouse things. And God will do something radical. And in a few months, I'm going to slice one and put some Duke's mayonnaise on there and enjoy every bite of it. Here's what God has done, something more radical than that. Christ Jesus was placed in a grave and he has erupted from that grave and he is the first fruit, a fruit unlike any other, a fruit of what is yet to come, that there will be a resurrection from the dead and our hope is in Christ it is anchored in the past that Jesus rose, but our hope remains in the present because Jesus lives and our hope will be completed because Jesus is coming. These are certain realities. And this living hope results from being born again to a sure salvation, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Now let's just walk through this. An inheritance that is not affected by the stock market. Now some of you are at the stage of life, you don't need to worry about it. Others of you have been greatly affected by the stock market. Some of us could be really concerned about it, but here's what we all know as followers of Jesus. We have an inheritance that is not affected by the economy of this world. It is imperishable. That means it is not subject to decay. It will never wear out. It will never die. It is undefiled. That it is as unstained by sin and evil. There's all kinds of conspiracies swirling right now. And listen, brothers and sisters, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Human beings, sinful human beings, whom God promises he will use leaders and others for our benefit and our sake, but they're still sinful human beings who are going to make selfish choices. It's part of living in a broken world. Doesn't mean we give them excuses or allow them, but here's what we know. What God is doing, what God will offer to us, what God will give us is undefiled. That means we won't need any rubber gloves or masks. It is not dangerous in any way. It is life-giving. It is unfading. I've already said I love gardens. We love flowers. Yesterday, Celeste and I were out in the driveway and she said, look, the Lady Banks rose is blooming. It'll only bloom for a few days. It's a beautiful little yellow rose around the back of the house. The wisteria, which is a wild thing, is growing up our trees. Big purple flowers. Kind of looks like grapes hanging. You see them on the side of the road. They're two of my favorites. But they'll be gone in a few days. That simple beauty will fade. But our salvation will never fade and it is being kept. It is being kept in heaven for you. The tense of the verb here means that this is a completed task by God. This is something he's already done. He's holding it. It's, it's kept for you. Who, verse 5, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So our inheritance is kept for us 
And we are kept for our inheritance. This is God's power guarding us through faith. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, verse 11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So brothers and sisters, our salvation is God's work from beginning to end. And we are kept through faith. Our faith is his way of keeping us. It is his gift. So why why does God use faith as the instrument of his keeping power? Here's why. Because faith is not our achievement. It's that we trust in God's achievement. That our faith and our hope are in God. So here's my question then. What's the evidence of faith? It's this, that living hope from being born again to a sure salvation is evidenced by evidence in inexpressible glory. In this you rejoice. This is our salvation from beginning to end, from the moment of regeneration until glorification when we acquire our inheritance. This is very interesting. Wayne Grudem says, rejoice represents a verb which is not used by secular Greek writers. In the New Testament, it always signifies a deep spiritual joy, a rejoicing in God or in what God has done. This is what I've prayed for you every day this week. That in you, in you, will be a rejoicing a rejoicing in what God has done as the world is changing so fast and every day in ways that are completely out of our control, something that is outside of our control has already been secured. That is our salvation. And it is sure. And in that, we can rejoice. So let us rejoice with a deep spiritual joy. Now now look at this verse. Watch how this speaks to us. Though now for a little while, If necessary, and apparently it is, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So this suffering is real. Suffering in in the world is real, and suffering comes in all kinds of shape and fashion and form. You need to know this. There are believers today, some of whom have already been prayed for and talked to via the internet, who are not just suffering because they're held up by coronavirus, they're suffering at oppressive governments at the same time. The primary suffering that Peter's talking about here is suffering from oppression because you're a follower of Jesus. Whatever this form of suffering, here's what it brings. Grief. See it? Having been grieved. You say, okay, Jeff, how does grief and rejoicing go together? It's because the Christian life is lived in reality. Nobody's looking at coronavirus and going, well, this is great. 
Let's, let's, let's bring it on. No. We're grieved by what it's doing to the world. We're grieved by the people in hospitals gasping for their last breath. But what is God doing in us in the midst of all of this? Or let's ask it this way. Why doesn't God protect Christians from the coronavirus? Here's the answer. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more, literally much more, precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now let's just hit the pause button for a second. As the economy is going into a tailspin, this morning, here's what gold is worth per ounce. $1,645.58 per ounce. And here's what God says. That more precious than gold is your faith. And just like gold has to be refined so that you come to the, to the purity of the gold, our faith is being refined so that the last day at the final consummation of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, it will be an occasion for praise and honor and glory because God values your faith more than he values your gold or your present comfort. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So for those of us who are in Christ, what God is doing right now is a refining work and what's going to come to the surface to those who have been born again to this living hope is a faith that is imperishable, undefiled, filled with inexpressible glory. Though you have not seen him, you love him. That means we have a personal relationship with the Lord that we don't see him physically at this moment. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So our personal daily fellowship with Jesus Christ himself is cause for even greater rejoicing. It's, it's unutterable. It's inexpressible. Though we attempt, we attempt to express it. We attempt to say it. But our, our faces, our eyes, our emotions, all these things are communicating as best we can, and yet we can't. Because here's what we're longing for. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We are rejoicing now in anticipation of the day when Christ will come and the final application of our salvation will take place. In 1 John chapter 3, John said, Beloved, we are God's children now. It's not just that we will be. We are God's children right now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now listen, everybody wants to know, when is this going to be over? When are we going to go back to work? When are we going to come back to worship? Nobody knows. But here's what we do know, that when Christ comes, that we don't know that moment, he is coming. When Christ comes, this is all over. All the suffering, pain, and difficulty of life and the result of the fall ceases. And what we live forever and ever is this hope, which we now can hardly express, is in us, will be fully and completely realized. 
So what do we do in the meantime? What's, how, how, do we, how do we move through this difficult time? Here's the so what today. During this difficult time, am I experiencing and communicating living hope evidenced by inexpressible joy? Am I experiencing living hope? Just before I, I got up here, I was communicating for prayer and I saw in my feed that two Duke students have committed suicide. Uh, there are people everywhere without hope. And because what we've lived for has been pulled out from underneath our feet, some people are already giving up. Hear me, whoever you are, do not give up. You are not your savior. Your education is not your savior. Your career is not your savior. Your friends and your family are not your savior. There is only one savior and it is Jesus Christ, the Lord. You look to him. Only he can give you a hope that'll last through this. You must confess your sin and your need for Christ and repent and turn to him and know joy. Joy that is known by everyone who is in Christ. For those of you that are in Christ and you're struggling, let's be honest, there are a lot of us moving in and out of depression, in and out of anxiety, in and out of difficulty. Hear the word of God speaking to us, 2 Corinthians so we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, brothers and sisters. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is not making light of what we're going through or what we ever go through. Here's what he's saying. Compared to the weight of glory, which is going to be revealed in Christ, it so outweighs what we're going through right now. It's a light and momentary affliction because what God is bringing is eternal and glorious. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. So you got to get your eyes off of this and get them cast what you cannot yet see for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Experiencing living hope is the opposite of losing heart. So living hope is known in the midst of our outer self wasting away. It's known in the midst of momentary light affliction, though it doesn't seem like living hope will get you out of the bed tomorrow. Living hope will see you through this dark hour whether or not you contract COVID-19. Living hope will enable you to love and educate your kids. It will. Living hope will empower you to work at home and to tolerate your spouse who is now working at home without either of you losing your mind and damaging your relationship in a way that could be irreparable. Living hope will cause you to move toward other people in whatever ways you can and in whatever ways are necessary. Living hope has always moved the church. And I pray that it will move us in this hour.
First Peter chapter three. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. People are going to want to know. What is it about you? What's going on with you? This was so clearly communicated this week through Facebook. I was out at my time behind the barn and I was concluding it by communicating with you through social media. And I pulled up Donnie Miss Kelly's post. Him sitting on his couch with his guitar. You see, if you don't know, Donnie has cancer, a very serious form of cancer. And what he decided to do was to bring a song to answer the question that he was receiving, basically this, what's the hope in you, Donnie? Donnie sang a song that spoke of grief and difficulty and heartache, but here's the theme of the song, always with Jesus. I looked last night. He's had 480 responses to that post. That means people are looking to someone communicating living hope and they are encouraged. So brothers and sisters, let's not be disingenuous. Let's not be over the top. Let's be who we are. In this you rejoice. Not in yourself, but in the salvation that is from God. And this promise, from the moment of salvation, through difficult time, and for all eternity, we are always, always with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I plead, I plead now for the man or woman who is watching, the child who is afraid, who is scared, and without hope. Lord, that you would take what has been said today, point their heart and life to Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, cause them to be born again to a living hope. And for those, Lord, who do know you, that living hope is in them. I pray that it would be experienced and expressed. And that you would take this song written around this text. And that together in our living rooms and wherever we are, that we will express now together what we can hardly express, that you are our living hope. We thank you for our salvation that is in Christ alone. May we now rejoice in it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.